0: A lot of our athletes are coming in eating not enough. They're burning more than they're taking in consistently, chronically. And when we do that for a long period of time, we come into issues and our body starts going into like preserved mode where it's trying to protect us. And so a lot of times it slows down our hormonal functions or our hormones get off and our body is just trying to be smart and protect us. A lot of people don't think, oh, under eating is going to actually hurt my body physically and hormonally. And we don't realize that there are more consequences to that, especially for long periods of time. I think the biggest thing is we have to start dissociating, like performance is only based on weight. Like, yes, does weight play a factor? Of course. It is not the number one factor of our performance. It's only a small piece. Starting to shift, like fueling your body, not for how I'm going to look or how I'm going to weigh and start saying, I want to fuel to perform. I want to fuel my performance.
1: Welcome to the Run Free Podcast, where we talk about training using our holistic five principles. In today's episode, we're sitting down with our in house nutritionist, Joe Butler. One of the things I love about Joe is that she has this very balanced approach to nutrition. It's very just based in science, but also based in her experience working with a lot of different athletes. One of the things that's great about the way that Joe orients our athletes' nutrition. Is that the goal is both performance, but also health and longevity. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation with Joe. I'm Chad Hall, and this is the Run Free Podcast. All right, Joe, welcome to the podcast. I know Jay and I are excited to have you on and talk some nutrition. Um, so first off, I want to hit you directly with a question that's been on my mind, and uh, it's something I've heard from several of our athletes, where they say, you know, we got this. We got this analysis from Joe. She like critiqued our nutrition. And she had me eat more food and I started to lose weight, which seems like the absolute miracle diet, right? So, what's going on there?
0: Yeah. So, I think a common misconception a lot of us think of with nutrition is like it's just as simple as calories in versus calories out. Now, I'm not going to negate that there's not some truth to that. Like, obviously, like your body, if you're eating excess amounts of calories and your body's not using that calories, you're going to probably retain weight. However, a lot of our athletes are coming in eating not enough in their everyday life. Like they're burning more than they're taking in consistently chronically. And when we do that for a long period of time, we come into issues and our body starts going into like, um, you know, preserved mode where it's trying to protect us. And so a lot of times it slows down our hormonal functions or our hormones get off. And our body is just trying to be smart and protect us. If we do that for a long period of time, it thinks, Hey, I'm not getting the food and energy I need. So I need to do whatever I can to survive. Um, and so basically it can slow metabolism and throw off hormones. So our body is just like maintaining weight for survival purposes. And so as soon as you start eating enough, your body's able to work more efficiently, and your hormones start getting back in check and functioning properly. And so everything's working. And so your body's burning that energy as it should. And so then you're losing weight because your body doesn't have to hold on to it to survive. Your body's getting what it needs to fuel and function properly. So, yeah, I think that's a lot of people don't think, oh, under eating is going to actually hurt my body physically and hormonally. And we don't realize that there are more consequences to that, especially for long periods of time. Hey, Joe, I have a, I
2: have a comment on that thought process. Yeah. So um, I got really into this book that I continue to keep referencing why we sleep by Matthew Mm -hmm. Walker and in this book, yeah, I can't, I can't stop talking about it. It's, it's, literally, it's literally outside of the Bible, I think, the most influential book I've ever read. I love
1: it. It's in my so life. Helpful.
2: So he says in the book something really interesting about sleep and metabolism mm-hmm. and the idea that we we're created, we're the only animal that limits our sleep. Mm, so all mm. the other animal kingdom none of them limit their sleep and so he makes the argument and i don't know how much research is behind it that when you limit sleep the only reason to limit it would be if we're trying to forage or create Mm -hmm. more food and so our body interprets that limiting of sleep slows metabolism and you hang on to more so is that Is that part of the equation that you consider too?
0: Yeah. I mean, sleep affects your hormones so much. And I think we don't realize that. And, you know, a lot of like my study into hormones is around athletes, but also just like functioning and, all of the things we've done in society to lose weight or to maintain function, like affects that. And cortisol is one of the biggest hormones that are affected by all of these habits we've created. And you'll notice like cortisol also affects almost every other hormone in our body. So like, as soon as that is increased, which lack of sleep will increase that, dieting will increase that, overtraining will increase that, any of those things. And as soon as that cortisol is increased over chronic periods of times, your whole body is going to be thrown off. So yeah. I mean, if you're not managing getting enough sleep, it's going to throw things off. It's going to throw your metabolism off. Um, and high cortisol is ranked to like more belly fat. Like there are studies that have shown, like people maintain more belly fat if cortisol is high. So like that can be off and you can be doing everything right. But if you're not managing your stress, like, yeah, you're going to have issues with weight. It's just linked hand in hand. But to that being said, I do find it super interesting we've talked a lot about this and how the power of sleep is so important. And like back in the day before electricity, people slept like 13 hours a day. And you know, like people did labor jobs. Like they were outside all day using tons of energy, but then they slept for 13 hours. And now so many of us are like functioning off of like four or five, six hours of sleep. And we ex- expect our bodies to do all this crazy stuff. And it's like, your body doesn't want to do that. <laughs> your body needs it. So yeah, I think that's a good point.
1: Uh, to kind of go off of that, because I feel like I I experience like a lot of seasonal stuff, right? Like I mm. feel like I respond a lot to sunlight and how much sunlight I'm getting. Yeah. Um, and I think I typically struggle with my weight in the winter mm. a lot mm-hmm. more, right? So how does that play into it? Is there a natural rhythm to that throughout the year in terms mm. of like your hormones, sleep? Cause like you're saying, if prior to electricity, I'm yeah. sure people are just sleeping more in the winter time. Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also too, you're getting less vitamin D in the winter for most people, not everyone. I mean, I know here we are. And so vitamin D levels, you know, automatically affect your like energy. And so like, and how you perceive life and your attitude. So that's automatically going to just be synced with like seasonal depression, which means, you know, like things like I'm going to want more sleep, but maybe I'm not getting it and things like that. So yeah, definitely as seasons go and change. And I think it's important to listen to that. Like all of us are a little different and function a little differently too. So like if your body's communicating that it needs more sleep, it probably does whether, you know, it's directly syn- linked to the season or not. Um, our bodies are constantly communicating to us and like our hormones and stuff are functioning off that communication as well. So if we're not listening to it and we're just pushing it aside, it's going to throw things off. So, yeah, I mean, I could see that. I don't know like the exact science. So like seasonal, like, Oh man, like I need more sleep in the winter versus not, but like, yeah, I could definitely see it linked and see how our bodies are again, working together to communicate that with
1: us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so to get into that a little bit, so you focus a lot on hormones, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that, and we were talking about this a little bit before we started the podcast is just people, I think, want to overly simplify things pretty often, right? Like, cause we'll talk about macronutrients, but macronutrients only tell like part of the story there. Yeah. Um, so I guess to start to get into like, you know, what we can do with our diet to optimize it, how much do you just listen to the feedback from your body? How much are you monitoring like actual, like, do you yeah. measure certain amounts of yeah. intake or are you just kind of listening to your body, trying to figure out what's happening? Uh, yeah. Basically?
0: so for me and for someone else it's different i think everyone i think it does take time to understand what your body is telling you and communicating with you i don't think it happens overnight for a lot of people we've gone from like this extreme of like ultimate restriction and so actually we need some awareness to how much we're eating to make sure we are eating enough and eating the right things but i think over time you are able to like just really listen to your body i do not count anything um and honestly most people i don't include I don't encourage to count calories cause it often leaves more obsessive behaviors than anything else. Um, there are other better ways to measure things like using your hand as a guide is really helpful. Um, and it's really accurate. Um, I, I think it's like close to 97% accurate of like calories that it actually measures is just using your hand as a guide. So, um, you can get really accurate measurements versus like using a measuring cup or like weighing it or whatever. Um, but I like really believe once you get to a point, like you can listen to what your body's telling you and feel it really well and really accurately. Like, I think I did this once where I recorded what I did for a day just out of curiosity and then went and put it in. And I was like, Oh my gosh, my macros are like perfect. And I had no idea. I was just listening to my body and what it wanted. So It takes time to get there, but once you do, your body can be really communicative with you and like really tell you exactly what it needs.
1: So that in terms of too, like you could kind of sense what types of foods, like I'm craving protein, I'm craving carbs. 100%. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Like there are days like I crave a burger and I'm like, okay, I'm needing some adequate protein and probably iron. Honestly, like my body's like, Hey, I need red meat to give me a boost of iron. I'm down fatigue train. And then there are days like, I'm like, I just want sweet potatoes and carbs or (laughs) meals like that, where I'm like, okay, give me the pancakes and give me the potatoes. Um, or like, I, you know, I love eggs. That's like a really good source of protein for me. And so things like that, or like when I'm craving fats, things like peanut butter and cheese, Um, you know, I have things that I, I turn to and lean on, but yeah, you can, you can figure out, and it's not just like macronutrients, but even micronutrients, like when you're craving vitamin D, like getting outside, um, like my body will communicate with that with me. Like I've been inside all day and I feel down. I'm like, get outside and I feel hundred percent better. Um, so things like that, just tuning in and learning like exactly what your body's cueing with you. Um, it, it works. It's awesome. Our bodies are super smart.
2: Hey, I've got a question with that. I've got a friend who, uh, out of all places, lives in Palo Alto. Okay, and he is a computer engineer, okay. and and uh, I spoke with him a few months ago, and uh, he just he's like, man, I don't feel good. I feel down, and he's trying to run some and get back into shape. And we're just running through this kind of litany of questions. And one of the things we got to is he did not go outside Oof. for an entire week. What?
1: So what? He, worked,
2: he works 12 hours a day. Oh, my he gosh. Home, um, and he didn't go outside for a week. And he was wow. like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I didn't go outside for a week. Wow. And so the reason I, that came to mind is, what do we do when someone is no good at reading their body? There's no yeah, signals yeah. that are coming out like where, how do we get to that point where we yeah. can't hear and listen? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah,
0: for sure. Start small. I think that's the biggest thing you have. Like, again, we were talking earlier how so many people want to bite off so much at once. And like, it's very much, I want to go to this extreme and that is not helpful for one. It's not sustainable. Most people can't keep that up for long periods of time Two, It's, it's hard to do. Like you were saying, you know, you're like, I couldn't fast for 14 days. I couldn't either. That's so hard. (laughs) Like that is so hard and it's so extreme, you know? So, and again, that's not sustainable either. So for people like him that are looking like, how do I start how do I even begin? Start small. Start with like put a reminder on his phone. Like, hey, yeah. you're on your computer, you're on your phone, like something that you see every day, put a reminder every hour. Stand up for three minutes, <laughs> you know, even if it's just three minutes. Stand up, go walk outside. Um, you know, I even think of people like that are starting to incorporate exercise. If you're going from zero, like I've never even walked, like telling them to go run three miles is huge. So, like maybe go walk 15 minutes, you know, like. So starting with these small habits that they can build on and feel confident, like they have to feel like they can confidently accomplish them. Otherwise they're not going to stick with them. It's just going to fall off the bandwagon. So like any of their nutritional habits, it's like finding some weak links and then, you know, trying to build from them slowly, but surely, but it has to be attainable and it has to be small. Um, so they can build that consistency.
1: Yeah. What's, what's the balance I find with myself sometimes when I'm trying to create a positive change, there's a balance, especially with diet. Cause sometimes, yeah. you know, people do tend to jump into the deep yeah. side, but I do think there's a balance there of like sustainability versus seeing some progress to yeah. kind of like get yeah. the ball rolling, feel good about it. You know, is cool. there, is, is there ever a time where you make maybe changes initially in a more extreme way to do that? Or is it just kind of like, let's just get started slowly?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on the person. I think too, though, I think it's very easy to want to jump to something bigger. Um, But again, like, are you going to sustain that? Because ultimately like real change happens over time. It's like, you know, I talk about this with all of our runners, like you're not going to go from running a 5k to a marathon in a day. Like <laughs> if you do, it's going to really suck. <laughs> um, so I'm going gonna,
1: I'm gonna to run a marathon tomorrow. Then I'm going to yeah. ease it back. Yeah, yeah, day. yeah, <laughs> exactly.
0: Exactly. <laughs> um, like that's not going to go well. And like, even if you can do it, it's, you're not going to feel good afterwards or you're not going to maintain it. Um, So like, I like to think of that the same way with our food and nutrition. So yes, there, there are times that maybe someone has a bigger bandwidth that they do have like the ability to maintain something and do a bigger step than maybe someone else. So I may have someone that's like trying, I'm trying to think of a good example. Maybe it's like, okay, I'm already like, I'm really committed to this. I'm just going to like cut out you know, processed food, like some sort of processed food or something. Um, like I'm going to cut out Coke. Like maybe I've been drinking it once a day, but now I can cut it out and fully give that up. And it's totally fine for them, but there may be someone else that they drink Coke every day. And they're like, dude, cutting this out every day of the week would be impossible for me. You know? So it, it depends on like what the person is able to commit to, you know? Um, so yeah, I think that's, I don't know if that exactly (laughs) answers your question, but it depends on the person and like how much they can actually sustain it and what's ideal for them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I could totally see that. There's a lot of factors that play into, you know, somebody's diet and how they relate to food and all those things. I mean, ultimately for me, it's never, it's very rarely worked out well where I just like <laughs> like Jay was saying if I and Ryan actually done this very fasted for a week after he finished the season <laughs> I forget exactly the reasoning why but these extreme and we were just talking to Nathan Dieter who like came out of alcoholism yeah, and all this yeah. stuff and like we I think it's very common for endurance athletes to trend towards yes. the extreme yes so I think we need to be conscious of not allowing ourselves to do yeah. that and Man, that middle path of just like balance and sustainability, yeah. it's hard to commit to that, but it is. It is so worthwhile if you do. Yeah. 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 So
2: one one thing that Ryan's talked about in terms of lifting and nutrition a lot that I picked up on was cycling mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. nutrition and your lifting. And so I started kind of adopting this idea, at least in my mind. That for half the year, I basically eat whatever I want to eat. I eat desserts, I eat whatever. And then sometime around August, which I just started uh, a few weeks ago, I'll cut most of my desserts. Yeah. Like I'll rarely eat anything sugary. And what happens is the last half of the year uh, through, I'll go to like March. I'll lose like six or eight
0: pounds Mm -hmm.
2: and I don't change anything about my diet other than that one thing. I limit some of the desserts, not even all of them. Yeah. And so that's been my like middle ground because I've done or where I get on this like really extreme limited calorie, you know, plan to try and cut some weight and run fast. And I do run fast but I noticed like my overall productivity, like I'm foggy. I can't get much work done. I'm a little bit short with, you know, yep. the family and the kids, but this was like that middle ground. Yeah. That I finally was able to get to where like, okay, it takes me six months to lose seven pounds and I run better at it. Yeah. So, yeah. But I think totally Chad, we, We are extreme people, hundred (laughs) percent. And it's taken me like twenty-five years to figure out what works for me. But hopefully, the idea is like if we can get some of these nuggets out to our listeners, they can skip the twenty-five year process and maybe make it like a couple years. Yes,
0: yes, yes. Yeah, endurance athletes are so extreme. I mean, we're doing marathons, like that's like 1% of the population that runs marathons. And then we're paying for someone to actually coach us to do it. So like, that's an even smaller percentage. So there's definitely extreme tendencies. And it's, I think it's just healthy to be aware of that. Like, oh, I'm leaning towards this extremism. Maybe I should dial it back a little bit.
1: Yeah. And that's a hard thing to do. I feel like, um, sometimes again, we want to make things simple. And I'm realizing mm -hmm. as I get older, like, Actually, the hardest thing to do is to realize when I'm letting myself do that same yeah. process all over again, yep. and just be like, okay, this is where we break the pattern. <laughs> yep. And that's the hard thing to do, yeah. really. Like, yeah. I think it's it, to me, honestly, it'd probably be easier to go into the extremes of like yep. fasting for a couple of days and then like binging for a couple yep. of days, yep. rather than just like kind of that middle ground, middle. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It is harder. Yeah. It's totally harder, and our culture doesn't promote that either. Like. I mean, Jay, you were saying like people would like pick up a book or read an article and like people are also turning to social media. So like Instagram, people who have absolutely no education around nutrition are giving nutritional advice and people jump on that. And it makes it even easier to like lead and tend towards those extremes because we're being saturated with information that doesn't encourage the middle ground. You know, people aren't being encouraged to say like, Hey, actually like find some balance instead of going one way or the other. Um, And so that makes it even more challenging to add on top of our type A personalities. (laughs) Well, and you were
2: talking about, Joe, the the cycle of like you eat a little bit less, your metabolism slows down, and then you're tired. So you end up doing less, Mm -hmm. burning less calories. And I think that's a little bit of that insight into like a positive feedback loop of Hey, I'm going to sleep well. I'm also going to eat adequately. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, I'm going to be able to do my training well. Yep. But I'm also not going to be so tired that I can't do the yard work yep. and yep. Can't take the dog for a walk yep. and play with my kids. Yep. And like at the end of the day, your activity level is so big yeah. that if you don't eat, you now can't do that again. Exactly. The next day. Exactly.
0: And also like, it means like the more you eat, the more adequately you eat, the harder you can train. Like, I don't think we comprehend that. Like when you're eating adequately, you can run so much faster and lift so much heavier. And when that happens, your muscles are building, your body's adapting. You are going to lean up. Like your body will match your activity. Like it's you like, unless there's some health condition going on and like something deeper behind the scenes, like your training will affect your body. Like We are doing a sport that is demanding so much energy and so much physical adaptation. Like you're, if you stick with it and are consistent, your body will match what you're doing. Like, honestly, no matter what you're eating in some, some extent, like, I'm not going to say fully, but like you have so much more flexibility in your diet because your activity level is so much higher than like a sedentary American who's
1: not doing anything.
0: Like it's awesome. Like our bodies are awesome and powerful. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I I know Ryan commented on this and I've worked with another athlete who had like a continuous glucose monitor Mm -hmm. and like Ryan would, I mean, for those of you know, Ryan and his (laughs) nutritional strategy around lifting, he's like pounding like gummy worms and stuff during his his lift. So he's taking in a lot of simple sugar and he said his blood sugar is still plummeting throughout his workout, you know? And this other guy that I've worked with, he's a cyclist. He's like, man, I had to just get my intake up so much to try to like maintain a high performance state during my rides. And I think we vastly underestimate the benefits of fueling our workouts well, both before, you know, during and after. Mm -hmm. I think people tend to do better jobs after. They're like, yes, got my protein shake. Like they kind of understand that process. Um, But that was enlightening to me in a way to just be like, man, I am probably still missing out on maximizing yeah. my performance by just yeah. fueling it better. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I always encourage so many athletes will ask me, but you know, like how much should I be taking in during the run? And there's a range, you know, you could get really scientific with it, but like, honestly, if your stomach, the more your stomach can handle, the better it's going to be. So like, you know, we say about every 30 minutes to take a gel, but like if you can handle more than that, or you need more than that do it because everybody metabolizes things differently or more quickly. And so um, you know, I, I, a lot of athletes tend to train with less and then race, they add in more because they're like, Oh, this will be to my advantage. Cause I'm not used to this. However, if you're not used to it. Your body may not respond well to it, but also like, that means you're going to, if you're practicing with more during your runs, like your body is going to get stronger during those runs. You're going to recover better. You're going to feel better. So like not being afraid, if you feel like you need a gel or extra fluids with, you know, calories, like don't be afraid to take that because it can be really beneficial.
2: Hey, Joe, I have a question with that. That's pretty specific. So I understand the concept of, Hey, I'm going to run 15 miles or 20 miles. I need calories on board. I need them every 15, Mm -hmm. 20 minutes, as much as I can handle. What if I'm going to go to the track, and run 16 by 400 with a minute recovery? Yeah. Should, I, I mean, because personally, I've never taken yeah. nutrition workout. Like it's, you know, what, 40 minutes. Yeah. Would it be advantageous to take during that, that type of workout as well? 100%.
0: For one, again, it's teaching your body, like how to take in gels and like it's teaching your digestive system to take in stuff when your body's working hard, which is really beneficial, especially if you're an endurance athlete, who's like, I'm marathon training. I want to build my stomach. Um, but two, like you're working so much harder than you would in like a threshold or just an easy long run. And so those you're burning more calories, which means, you know, even in a shorter amount of time. Which means we still want to replace those. And so for some athletes, they're totally fine and can do that pretty effectively if they eat well before and after. But I encourage a lot of athletes like have electrolytes. You should always have electrolytes on workout days. If you don't take them, whether they have calories or not, you should have electrolytes. But I would always take an, I always take an electrolyte supplement with calories, at least one, maybe two bottles during my workout days. And then honestly, I always have some simple sugars. So my workout days, I don't usually take gels. I take like candy, like simple sugars to help keep my blood sugar up, especially like halfway through my workout when I'm starting to feel it. And I'm like, okay, I need to replenish, um, and like just simple sugar, candy, starburst, sour patch, kids, gummies, whatever. Um, or like, if you want to go healthier routes, so you can always bring like dried fruit and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I'm all so, fine. so, so
2: if I do that, if our athletes do that, they're listening What are are we going to feel? Are we going to be able to do an extra rep? Is the rep going to feel easier? Are we going to run faster? Is the recovery better? Is it all of the above? Yeah,
0: yeah, I think it's a mixture of all of the above. I think you're definitely going to feel better during the workout. If if you ever crash in workouts, good chance are, well, either if you're not running too hard, (laughs) Um, but if it's like a maintainable workout and you're taking in, you finally take in some stuff, like you're probably going to feel much faster and stronger, especially through the duration, like towards the end, you should feel much stronger. Um, but you're also going to I think the biggest benefit in my mind is you're going to recover faster because your body's not going to be in such a deprived state. Um, your body, your muscles and stuff, your glycogen levels are up. So they're not just totally crashing. Um, also if you struggle with like the mid afternoon crash, um, that could be something and you're, you know, doing your workout in the morning, that could be something really helpful to practice with, because if you're not getting enough in during your workout, before your workout and after, which it can be really hard to get in enough right after, if you're not doing anything during, um, you know, like it's really common to feel an afternoon crash because your blood sugar has not been stable. And so you're just crashing and burning.
2: Hmm. That's, that's so enlightening for the shorter workouts. Yeah. No, I'm excited I'm actually excited to try yeah. that. Yeah. And fuel it's almost like you're fueling like a marathon or yeah, totally during your normal reps.
0: Totally. Yeah. And I mean 16 400s is a lot. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's a long it's a long workout in the scheme of workouts. Yeah. yeah. But when you compare that to 12 mile tempo, yeah. it's it doesn't seem like it's yeah. that long. But I love it that you're <laughs> encouraging that. Yeah. Uh, just so I can try it and and try it and feel a difference. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Again, that's the extremist mindset though. Like, oh, my workout is 12 miles. This is nothing compared to that. And (laughs) that's extreme. Like that's extreme. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I like, um, I always think about this, how they did that study, right. Where they showed that if you just swished around like a, a sugary drink in your mouth that you're, you'd release more glycogen. Yeah. And I always thought that was really interesting in terms. It kind of changed my mindset of like, I need to let my body know it's okay, right? Yeah. We're not going to kill you here. Yes. We're going to provide yes. fuel along the way. So I think even like a shorter workout, you're kind of reaffirming this mm-hmm. thing for your body of like, we're fueling, we're taking care of you. Yep. And yep. I think that's translated to me into this thinking of this relationship with my body where I'm yeah. not trying to have like dominion over it, yes. right? Just force it to do what I want it to do. Like we're working together. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's like one of the biggest mindset shifts that's helped me personally, but also like some of the athletes i worked with is just like, your body's working for you, not against you. So like, how can we work together to make this feel better? Because it's, you're right. Like, I think a lot of us think, oh, I want control over my body and we're punishing it in many ways, instead of like working with it to like help encourage the recovery process and our performance. Um, so that's, that's really insightful to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's such a common, maybe it's a little bit of like diet culture marketing where mm-hmm. I feel like we do have this tendency to like build this relationship with our body where we want it to be different. We want it to yeah. change and we're not always so loving towards it. Yeah, totally. Um, Which isn't. Yeah. And like you're saying, eventually <laughs> that gets to our hormones and the way yeah. that we feel like it's kind of this cycle that can yep. just it, be in a negative place. Um, but I want to kind of jump into some like macronutrient stuff, yeah. kind of like what we should be doing, what things, cause like you said, there is this intuitive process where you can listen to your body, mm-hmm. but maybe we're not there yet and yep. we need to kind of be monitoring things a little bit more. Um, so I've heard you talk about fat on a number of occasions and I think it's pretty misunderstood. And sometimes, yeah. you know, there's so many different diets that demonize certain yeah. parts of yep. the diet, you know? so what what's your take on fat and kind of the role for us as runners yeah
0: so fat is super important (laughs) if you want to fight inflammation and keep your hormones functioning you need to keep fat in your diet um so i think there is a lot of misconceptions around fat and as runners i think we prioritize carbs a lot and we think protein for recovery and so then fat's like on the sideline here like oh what about me um and especially i will say this especially for women like women, sorry, we were created to make babies. Our bodies are functioning with the purpose and hormones are functioning with the purpose that we need to reproduce, produce breast milk and support another human life. Therefore we need extra fat to do that. Fat is super important to that. Um, And it's super important both for men and women for our hormonal function. Like it plays an essential role in making sure our hormones specifically our reproductive hormones are working well, but also like hormones signaling to your brain are working well as well. because it helps all of you who have struggled with cognitive function. Good chance there besides underfueling you're not getting enough fat in your body because fat directly is associated with brain function. Um so like if you get that brain fog or feel like you can't focus, um good chance your hormones um are lower than they should be and that's causing your brain fog. And um so they play a suit student- you know, specific role towards that, but also like fats help fight inflammation. So when you are training hard and working hard, and if you're not eating fats, you are not fighting inflammation. So if now, if you're eating processed fats, it kind of works against you. So like canola oil, soybean oil, those things that are highly processed are going to kind of add inflammation, but things like avocado, um, coconut oil, um, grass fed butter and um, like olive oil, those things are super helpful to fight inflammation. So when you've been working hard and pushing your body, you want to fight that inflammation in your muscles so they can help recover more. So it, it's multifaceted, but specifically with hormones and then, the you know,
1: anti-inflammatory response to help your body recover and heal. Nice. Yeah. And so obviously there's, I feel like fat and, and all our macronutrients, I think there's certain timings that are most beneficial, right? Yeah. So obviously, we don't really want fat like right after workout. We don't want to like slow down the digestion, right? But in terms of, are you getting the most? Are you getting most of your fat in your meals? Like where are you getting most of it? Yeah, them?
0: I would say in your meals, and I I would actually kind of bust that myth there. Like actually, oh, no. it, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it it itself is slower digesting, but it doesn't necessarily slow the digestion of your carbs and protein. So those things are going to break down like they need to. Now, if you're eating a super high fat meal is the digestion process, maybe going to be a little uncomfortable. Yes. <laughs> after a workout or before a workout, totally. But studies have actually shown that fat does not actually not hurt or inhibit performance before or after workouts or like, um, you know, slow digestion, it itself is slower digesting and therefore can cause like GI distress. So it's super important to be aware of that because it can, especially before workouts, you know, like if you're going in for a long run and you have a high fat meal the night before or the morning of like, okay, you're probably going to have, you know, some runs throughout the run (laughs) and have to stop and pull over. However, like, you know, it, it in and of itself does not actually hurt or, Promote performance either way. However, um, for me, like, it's not like the first thing I go to. It's always like, oh, I'm going to have a super high fat meal after I run because that doesn't sound appetizing. Um, but even things like whole fat Greek yogurt in a smoothie post run would not be harmful in any ways. Um, but for me, you know, like, I just try to get well balanced meals throughout my day. So I try to make sure I have a fat, a serving of fat at each meal. Um, and there are some meals, like, if I, I'm feeling you feel it. And I feel like I need more fat. I add more fat. So maybe heavier in oils or I add a little extra butter or cheese. Um, So, but yeah, I I feel like fat is one of the ones, like I don't really focus on it before or after workouts. It's more just like, okay, when I sit down and eat, I'm just going to make sure I have some fats there.
1: Interesting. Yeah. So so say after a workout, I'm either mm-hmm. going to have a plain piece of bread or a piece of bread with like peanut butter and jelly on it or, just, you know, something like I'm yeah. adding in a fat source there. So that's not at yeah. all affecting the absorption of the carbs. Okay, no, nope. nope. that is that is interesting to know. That'll, yeah, that'll change things. Yeah, I can um, send
0: you an article on it.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that'd be good. So even what about within a workout? Cause like when I was doing a lot of cycling, a lot of times I would mm. just take like a peanut butter and jelly instead yeah, of you totally. know, getting up yeah. or something. So yeah. in that case too, like what, what, what exactly is happening with the fat in that scenario? Like, is there any benefit? Is it doing anything for me? Yeah.
0: So the way our bodies work and the way it breaks down when we absorb nutrients, so carbohydrates, fats, proteins. Carbs are the first things that we break down. That's our first source of energy that we turn to. After carbs, we turn to fats, like fats are then the next resource that we use. Then we turn to protein, which really we don't ever want to be so low on carbs or fats that we turn to protein because that's going to actually take away from our muscle, you know, protein synthesis and all of that. So that can become harmful. And that's why a lot of people who aren't fueling during runs then end up with, poor recovery because they're, they're pulling from stores they don't need to pull from. So benefits, you know, like a lot of us carbs are going to be the easiest things to break down, most simple. And most of us don't want to turn to our fat stores, especially if you're super lean. Um, but you know, they have studies have shown, and I haven't like dug a ton into this because you know i i don't usually work with like ultra runners but they have shown like once you start getting into the ultra world like fats can actually be super beneficial during workouts um because of the duration of which you're moving and so it's really hard to keep up with that amount of carb storage and so they have shown like okay start adding higher fat diets because of the longevity fats still take longer to break down and use the energy source versus carbs and so it's a longer source of energy. Um, so there's, yeah, there's a lot of like, you can go into so much information and science on this, but essentially carbs are going to be the things that we utilize first. And they're going to be most efficient because they're the easiest to break down. So that's why we encourage so many runners, like during workouts, use carbs, use carbs, use carbs. You're going to utilize this first. It's going to be quick and it's going to be easy and efficient. Um, but if you do start, you know, trailing off into the ultra world, you could find some success with a higher fat diet, um, even during training. So yeah, it kind of just depends on what you're doing and also just what your stomach can handle. <laughs> cause I think that's yeah. the biggest
1: issue. Yeah. yeah. I think it's funny that some people like, uh, say like a nut butter might cause them some GI distress for me. Yeah. It actually settles my stomach, yeah. especially yeah. as opposed to like just hammering gels and yeah. drink mix. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah that was a strategy for me to get things to calm down. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Everyone's yeah. different. And like to like the fact you're eating like bread and stuff can be helpful as well <laughs> cuz it's yeah. absorbing some of the liquids and like um so you're not just getting straight like gels and liquids like, in your stomach which can be it can be rough on the stomach. Um I often like like to mix it up with gels and chews to be honest. Like the chews are harder to eat, but it at least gives my body some time. And, um, it's not just like straight liquid or
1: like stickiness. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what are, what are some fast sources that you like? Like are are some better than others? Like what, where do you like to get that from?
0: Yeah. I mean, my primary sources, I use a lot of olive oil. I love avocados, um, a lot of coconut oil and I use a lot of grass-fed butter. Um, I will say Butter can be really good for you, (laughs) but I would say the source you get that from is really important, um, because like we've talked about hormones, like conventional dairy products can be full of a lot of like synthetic hormones that they pump into these animals. (laughs) Um, so carry gold butter. It's my, my jam. Um, and then... (laughs) Also, you know, I love nuts and seeds and stuff as well. So uh, I, I tend to make a lot of my own salad dressings that I use. So olive oil, avocado based dressings and things like that. But seeds, nuts, cheese I love cheese as well. So lots of lots of cheese in my diet.
1: <laughs> is, are there specific types of cheese, cheeses, like harder cheeses or? Yeah. Any?
0: So yeah. the big thing with cheese is get stuff that's aged six or more months. So the aging process is actually, it's like fermentation. So it's a lot better for your gut health. So I even know people who are like lactose intolerant, but if they get an aged cheese, they can eat it because that um, it like the enzymes of the fermentation process actually settle better in their stomach and it's a lot easier for them to break down. So um, yeah, it's just a lot better for you. If it's aged, the longer it's aged, the you know better
1: it is for your gut health. Cool. Well, hopefully we got oil and cheese back on the table for some people. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> um, so, so carbohydrates, another one mm-hmm. that I feel like in, I feel like in modern diet culture, carbs mm-hmm. have been heavily demonized yes. and obviously for me, for me in observing other runners, uh, so many of us have gone through like low carb phases mm-hmm. where we tried that out because I mean, this is chronic. Idea that you're gonna get shredded if you take carbs yeah. out of your diet, yes. right? And man, that's a rough road to go down yes. unless you're like fully committed to going keto. Like it's yeah. gonna be terrible for a bit, and I think, in my opinion, ultimately not gonna be the best way to yeah. fuel your workouts. So, what's your take on carbs?
0: Yeah, they're a runners' fuel. Like that's just the matter of it. Like I said, we were, you know I mentioned fats, and there has started to be some studies in higher fat diets among ultra trail runners. But for most runners, like the studies have shown, if you are like the farthest you're running is like a marathon, like you need carbs should be your primary source for almost every single runner. Um, and that means 50, about 50 to 60% of your diet. Now I will say what is hard when people are seriously overweight and they're getting into running and it can be really hard for them to like balance blood sugar and start losing weight on a higher carbohydrate diet. So, I always like kind of like to encourage people if you are on the heavier side, don't increase mileage super high at first and keep a more well-balanced diet. Um because the more mileage you do, the more carbs you need. And it can be hard. It can be really hard to lose significant amounts of weight on a really high carbohydrate diet. Um you know, over long periods of time a lot of people do it and do it well, but if your body's not built that way, it can be harder because there are a lot of people who are heavier set need a more balanced diet. Like that's what their body craves, the way their body is built. It's just like, Hey, I do better with a higher protein, higher fat and more balanced carb diet. Um, so when weight loss is your goal, just know, like it can be a little challenging, but as a runner, and like, if performance is your main goal, like you need to be eating a high carbohydrate diet, with 50 to 60% of your, your diet and carbs. Um, and when you get to race day, it goes up even higher. So oh, just knowing like carbs are your primary fuel source and, um, most runners will do very well and feel very good on a a high carbohydrate diet.
1: So with the weight loss part, is that just because it's easy for our body to convert, uh, carbs into fat? Like what's, what's the reason why that kind of creates uh, some difficulty? Um,
0: so some of it is just how our body metabolizes things. So again, it depends on the person. Now, if you are naturally a lean person who just tended to gain a little extra weight. So we have three different body types, endomorph, ectomorph, mesomorph. So I believe it's, I always get endo and ecto flipped because they're so similar. Um, but I think endomorph is like tall, long limbs, lean body, natural belt. That's to the mean they can't get overweight, but the naturally they have a thinner, um, narrower build. You have the mesomorph, which is like the athletic build. People are super muscular. And then you have the ecto, I'm into whatever. The last one is, um, like a bigger, shorter stockier, like you're going to just be a heavier built person. And because of that, our body metabolizes different nutrients a little differently, just depending on who we are. Um, you know, so I think, yes, ectomorph, the tall lanky people, um, often like most distance runners are going to tend to really do well with a higher carbohydrate diet. Their body's going to metabolize that well, and feel good doing that. However, if you're like an endomorph and you're stockier your built and you have the shorter limbs, a higher carbohydrate diet is actually probably going to work against you. So even if you are running, your body is not going to do as well with those carbs. So you're going to maintain a little extra weight. And so they are actually going to feel and fuel their body better with a little higher protein and higher fat diet um, just because of their genetics. And it's just how their body metabolizes those nutrients and how they, you know, maintain a healthy weight. It's just how it works. Um, so, you know, again, it just depends on the person. And like, we have athletes that come in and I ask, I ask all of our athletes, like, well, what's your body type? Because that will affect their macronutrient levels that I adjust for them. Cause some are going to do a little better with, okay, you're super tall, lean limb, lanky. You may need 60% carbs in your diet then versus someone who comes in, who's like five four they're 200 pounds. They're like, dude, this is just how I'm built. Um, you know, and that would be like, okay, well maybe you need a little higher protein to like, just help your metabolism work and function and keep your body at a healthy weight for you. So So
2: still with that though, with any of those three body Mm -hmm. types, you're still recommending to fuel around the workout and during the workout with hydrates
0: because not that on board. Oh man, you're, you're, you're going to, you're gonna hate it. You're gonna feel yeah. like crap. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, still before you prioritize carbs and a little bit of protein during carbs, 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 carbs during workouts, and then post workout, it's carbs and protein that you want to prioritize.
2: So well. if if you are a little bit more on the protein and fat mm-hmm. side during your normal diet, mm-hmm. how quickly is having some carbs on board gonna be felt? like, do you need to back that up two hours? Does it need to be the day before? Can it be 30 minutes before? Like, when are we starting to think, Hey, I've got to work out. I need to get a little bit more on board carbohydrate. Yes,
0: yeah. I would still think the day before, like you definitely want to prioritize it, give yourself some time. Um, You know, and obviously the meal before you run. Um, and I would encourage even those heavier built people, like you still want to eat before you run. Please eat before you run, like within, you know, that two hour range, two hours to if you have a stomach that can handle it, 15 minutes. Um, and during those times you definitely want to have a higher carbohydrate diet um and prioritize getting in those carbs. Now, that being said, you may find afterwards, like, okay, maybe I need a little more protein and fat throughout the day, you know, after the workouts, um, but definitely around workouts, you have to be prioritizing those proteins and
1: carbs, especially carbs. <laughs> so, so is mostly adjustment happening in meals. Like where, where are you lowering yeah. the amount of carbs?
0: I would say in meals would be your biggest area, just on like a daily basis is kind of to think about that. Like think about your average diet and what you're eating. You know, if you are someone who's a little heavier set and you have a bigger build, um, you know you're probably going to be that person who's going for two servings of protein where someone like, you know, Chad or I, or Jay may be grabbing the extra carbs. And we're like, Oh, I just need these carbs for energy. You may be like, Oh dude, I just need that extra serving of meat and like, go for it. you know, so like, and that's too, when you'll start learning and listening to your body about what your body needs. Um, because, your body will learn to communicate and depending on how you're built and what your genetics are like, like your body will tell you what it needs. So don't feel like the pressure to be like, Oh, well, this person's eating this. So maybe I should eat that. Do what works for you and what fuels your body best. Your body will tell you what that is. And I find a lot of it. And especially when you start getting into athletics, your body really is good at communicating like, Oh, I really, I'm feeling this extra serving of X, Y, Z. And it's usually, you know, just what your body needs in that moment.
1: Should, should we be monitoring at all? Like how many, how much total carbs we're taking at any one point in time? Like, should there be a goal to space it out throughout the day? Like, is that something we should be concerned with?
0: Um, you know, except I I would say around workouts, you definitely want to make sure you're getting in, you know, I always tell people before workouts, you want around 150 calories at least. At least primarily carbs. So think of that. And then post workout, like the biggest thing is um, you know, we say a three to one ratio between carbs and protein. So a good example of that would be let's say 60 grams of carbs, 20 grams of protein. You can do that through a shake. A lot of times a good example is like chocolate milk is a good ratio of that. Um, you know, so I would say then you around workouts, you really want to make sure, you know, you're kind of keeping track of how much you're getting in especially like during workouts, we say 60 to 90 grams of carbohydrates per hour. Um, So that's kind of a good reference range. If you're wanting to get a little more nitpicky, again, realize some people are going from nothing per hour. So getting up to 60 grams would be a ton. So start small and like, that's the end goal. Um, So those would be the times, like for sure, you actually want to make sure you're, you're kind of tracking and getting a good idea of how much you're getting in. Um, And then the rest of the day is, eat intuitively, get, you know, I, again, all of our athletes that work with us get a guide, like see how many portions of carbohydrates you should be eating a day. If you are not anywhere close to that, like you just need to add some more consistently throughout the day, but making sure you're also having them at every single meal. You should not have a meal without carbohydrates um, as runners.
1: And then like, uh, I always talk to athletes about kind of the types of carbohydrates that you're taking Mm -hmm. in and timing that right. So around, around our workouts, we kind of want more simple carbohydrates versus like complex carbs in our, in our meals. Right. Yeah.
0: What,
1: what are some examples? what, What are some things that you eat like in meals versus like workout type carbohydrates?
0: Yeah. So, um, before, before runs, I'm a huge, like, just give me, I, I love bagels, bread, eggs. That's how much I am. <laughs> I have a hard stomach too. So I can eat a bagel and egg and cheese sandwich before like 30 minutes before I run and I'm fine. Um, but I always st- stick with like, that's the time before workouts after even after workout, like right after workouts, like white breads, don't go for the super hearty whole wheat flaxseed breads, like get your white breads in if that's what you enjoy, you know, even things like people, I know a lot of runners who like graham crackers, there's like honey stinger waffles, Um, even like simple fruits, like bananas, be careful with some fruits because they're sometimes not as great for digestion, like stay away from dates right before you run or like prunes, like that's probably not a great option. (laughs) Um, But just things like that. And, you know, even oats, like, can be great, but don't like before you run, that's not the time to add in flax or chia, unless you have a really hard stomach that can handle it. Um, and even simple cereals. So if you're like one of those people, like, Oh, I, I work really well with like some honey nut Cheerios right before I run. Great. Stick with that. That's awesome. Um, and then, you know, throughout the day, think of more complex, like whole grains. So like your quinoa and your Pharaoh and like brown rice or even white rice is fine. Please hear me say that. Um, but like your potatoes, sweet potatoes, regular potatoes, I often find potatoes though work well in my stomach too. And they're not super like rough. So that's always great. Like the night before workout. Um, so yeah, just playing around with those higher fiber carbs throughout the day. Um, that will also help with satiation and making you feel more satisfied and also help with your gut health and everything work properly, but yeah, before workouts, keep it simple during workouts, again, simple, that should be your gels candy. And then post workouts same thing. So,
2: so, uh, one of the things that, um, I've had a few athletes over the years, uh, Joe, that you, you actually, we had a conversation about in, uh, Montana, you probably don't remember, but <laughs> the idea that, um, if you do have like really rough stomach and you yeah. can't handle anything, you can totally drink your calories percent. And then the second part of the strategy that you mentioned on that is eat later, like eat more, eat later, eat a bigger meal. Yeah. And I remember when I was in Kenya, um, I got to train with Kipchoge for a month at his camp. And those guys don't eat anything in the Mm -hmm. morning. But they have these monstrously huge meals in the evening yeah. with all this like corn-based products yeah. and, and lots of like really good uh, fatty meats. yeah. And
1: yeah. then in the
2: morning, they do Kenyan tea, mm. which does have like fresh fat milk in it, mm. a ton of honey and <laughs> yes. tea. Dang. And so it's yep. – man, I actually can't handle – like the sweetness and that they put in their tea like it's like it's so thick i have to dial it back a notch (laughs) but yeah for those of you you guys that can't handle you know eating like just have a little bit of a meal before you go to bed yes and then get calories in the morning that even gatorade or whatever and then continue to fuel and that works especially well for you know our athletes are mostly going after like just improvement for themselves and their age group athletes and athletes that are just trying to like run as fast as they can with the time they have and mesh it into their schedules a lot of them are training at five six in the morning yeah Yeah. and they're they're hitting the road like 15 or 20 minutes after they wake up yeah so i remember that that's a great tip um, yeah, you shared with me. Uh, and I saw it in action in Kenya. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's cool. Like drinking your calories totally works. And I think that's the common misconception though. People think, oh, well, these Kenyans don't eat anything, but if they're drinking stuff like tea with full fatty milk and lots of sugar, like they're getting in calories before they hit the road, they're just getting in, in liquid form. And so just remember that. And I, you know, I always say this too, specifically women, it's really, 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 really important. You don't run in a fasted state for your reproductive hormones. So like men may be able to get away with a little less or not eating. Um, there's just been a lot of studies though, that women in and of themselves need fuel, like even that 150 calories before they hit the road outside. And, you know, like Jay said, you can easily do that through an electrolyte supplement, like chug some calories or even make your own, you know, like, (laughs) use, use some honey and like sweeten some water, add some lemon and you have some calories right there.
1: Totally. Yeah. Cause I think about it's like, we have the capacity to store a lot of glycogen, like probably more than we need for most events, unless you're running a marathon. Right. Yeah. So I think there's a nature of like, being in a fasted state is productive. If you're trying to do it for a specific reason, you're trying to get better fat utilization, but we want to break that fast if we're trying to perform well. Right. So like the purpose of the tea, the electrolyte mix, whatever is to break that fast, get your body burning that glycogen and and performing well.
0: Yeah. Utilizing it well. Totally.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, so then protein, I think everybody's favorite. <laughs> nobody <laughs> yes. has anything bad to say about protein. Uh, uh, what i I think it almost gets like too much emphasis. like maybe yeah. like I think, say, especially if you compare us to other countries, like we have a tendency yeah. to get a lot more meat, yeah. a lot more protein yes. that maybe we even need. like what what should we look? what should we be looking for in terms of protein intake?
0: yeah. so I typically like to say anywhere from twenty to thirty percent, depending on the athlete of your diet, um, I'm not going to give grams because that can get super nitpicky, and also it just totally depends on the person. But I would say the most important thing is definitely around workouts, you really, really need to prioritize protein, especially after the workout. That is one time where like protein really is essential, and you need to be getting, you know, at least twenty to thirty grams after a workout or a long run. um and that can be done plethora of ways. I know protein shakes are super common. Greek yogurt is awesome. Um, as well, you know, we have meat and eggs and all of that stuff as well. And just remember, like, we do typically like a lot of animal products in the US. So, like, cheese has protein as well. So, like, if your milk has protein, so those things, if you're adding in, you know, animal products and it's not just, you know, not just meat, you are getting added protein. So, it's like I usually eat eggs and cheese. So, I'm getting in a good serving of protein you know, doing that. It's not just the eggs that count. Um, so you know, around workouts, really be aware of that, specifically post-workout. Um, and then like protein really does help with satiation. So if you're not eating enough, you're not going to feel satisfied, most likely. Um, and it does help, you know, with protein synthesis. So our muscles are rebuilding and repairing. So you do need adequate amounts. However, you're not, your goal is not to build a ton of muscle. Like the goal is to keep those muscles strong and healing post workouts. So as long as you're getting in enough there, you should be satisfied. Um, it's not one of those things that you want 35, 40% of your diet and protein for endurance athletes. It's just not necessary. Um, and you're probably going to feel kind of crummy if you do. So that's why like keto does not really work well. <laughs> keto and paleo don't really work well for endurance athletes
1: just too much protein in yeah. general. Like it's hard. That, the system. Yeah. 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 It's
0: just, and it's, yeah. it's, you know, it doesn't digest as quickly as carbs either. So, um, it's just not as utilized. So yeah, but yeah. still important, still important.
1: <laughs> so, so obviously it's important afterwards. And I think we mm-hmm. tend to recommend like more easily digested, um mm-hmm. sources of protein, right? Like whey protein is gonna yeah. get in your system a yeah. faster. Yeah. Um, should it be something that's incorporated into every meal? Like, especially yeah. say for someone who's vegetarian or vegan, yeah. it might be going out of their way to try to make that yeah. happen. Like yeah. how what should the requirements be of yeah. your meals?
0: Yeah. So depending on the athlete, depending on your build and what you're training for, I I usually encourage at least a serving at every meal or like um you know, half a serving. If you know, you don't need quite as much, or you're a smaller athlete, you just doesn't require quite as much, but at least a serving. Um, and for men, just so you know, like a serving is typically men need about two palm size portions of protein at each meal. So like meal, meal snacks, you may want more, a little less, you know, you may only need like one serving and a snack, or maybe you do skip here and there, but still realize like you do need protein. I like people to think, even snacks or meals. So thinking of like each time you eat, like, I want to break this down besides pre-workout during workout and post-workout. Those are the only times I really encourage people to like think, okay, I need to be more strategic with what I'm eating as far as carbs, a little bit of protein. Um, and then every other meal should be broken down like healthy servings of each, depending on what your body needs.
1: Awesome. Cool. Uh, So you've taken in like we've done, we do this pretty extensive process of taking in athletes that includes uh, analysis of your nutrition. So you've probably looked at like hundreds of these by now, right? Mm -hmm. So what are some of the most common things you see in there that people maybe are not doing correctly? And then we adjust going forward? Uh,
0: Number one, not eating enough. I think that is the number one thing I see. Most of our athletes are under eating. Now I will say depending on how we log this stuff, maybe they're not eating, they're eating as much as we think. But from what I see, I would say the biggest thing is athletes eating under 2000 calories, guys, that is not okay. Even if you're a tiny person, like who's 5'1 and super little, like you still probably need at least around 2000 calories a day if you are running consistently. Now, if you're just walking and not doing much act- actively, like that's a little different. But if you are running four to five times a week, or more. And then lifting on top of that, like 2000 is usually like the minimum of what I like to see people at. And we see athletes up to like five, 6,000 plus calories, depending on who they are. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing I see. And that can be hard for a lot of people. So again, eating more frequently can be really helpful with that. Um, and then, you know, I think again, just kind of common misconceptions of like, I see a lot of athletes that are really restrictive. So they eat super, super healthy. And with that, it makes it harder to get in like more calorically dense foods, which is important as an athlete. So like giving yourself some freedom to like, oh, I'm going to eat these simpler carbs, or I'm going to eat a little more fat, um, to help their body. Like I see a lot of athletes that are like, no, I'm going to eat skim, you know, Greek yogurt versus like full fat Greek yogurt, which is actually super helpful. And it provides more, more fat obviously, but that helps our hormonal system, Um, and so things like that, like taking away that restrictive mindset and realizing, oh, I have a lot more freedom in my diet than what I think. Um, and yeah, I think those are like the two biggest things I see. Um, and people just not eating frequently enough people only eating like two or three times a day where as like we were talking, like, you're like, I'm hungry every two hours. Yeah. That's your body communicating. You need to eat. So like eating at least five to six times a day. And there are some people that need to eat like seven or eight. Um, times a day to keep their blood sugar stable so they're not dropping and crashing throughout the day
1: interesting so
0: yeah I almost feel like we need to uh, create some type
2: of like support group for uh, (laughs) nutritional issues because I've even found myself like you know okay I'm gonna try and you know get a little bit leaner run a little bit faster and so you know, I fight the thought sometimes of like, all right, I'm going to do this workout. Maybe I should do it a little bit calorically under so I can lose a little bit. And then it's like, and it's like, uh, okay, I didn't have quite as much for lunch. Maybe I'll just wait and skip my snack Mm -hmm. until dinner. Like what, what would you say? Like, what do we need to do to, to like get ourselves in the right mindset? Cause Chad, I know we've talked about that too. Like, that thought process of, ah, maybe I can just, maybe I can just kind of cheat a little bit, get a little bit of an advantage here.
0: Yeah. I think that's, I think the biggest thing is we have to start dissociating like performance is only based on weight. Like, yes, does weight play a factor? Of course. Like you're not going to be a 500 pound runner and competing at the Olympic trials. Like that's just not going to happen. Right. But it is not the number one factor of our performance. It's only a small piece. And so I think disassociating like, oh, I'm gonna be faster if I'm lighter. Like that's not always the case. And even if you are, it's not gonna be long-term, you know, like for a lot of us, like that's not the case. I will also say like most of us are at race weight for only a couple of weeks a year. Like that really should be the case where you're only at your competitive rate weight around race time and like the rest, you should be five, 10 pounds heavier. Like that's super common as well and healthy. Um and then, you know, I think starting to shift like fueling your body, not for how I'm gonna look or how I'm gonna weigh, and start saying, I want to fuel to perform. I want to fuel my performance, not just fuel my body. I want to fuel my performance. And I think that's a huge shift that I've at least experienced with a lot of athletes is like, oh, if I'm feeling for performance, then I need to eat right now. Like I'm trying to, I'm thinking not just of this moment, but I'm thinking of the next day. I'm thinking of my race in three months. Like what, what fueling is actually going to be advantageous for me in that scenario, not just like what's instant gratification right now, or what's going to make me feel a little better about myself, you know, like, oh, I can lose. Maybe if I cut this, I'll, I'll lose weight but like, no, if I leave that out, I'm not going to recover as well. And I'm going to feel crappy, or maybe I don't sleep as well. And thinking about like, what does this actually, what, what am I fueling for? Um, Versus like, oh, I'm not eating because I want to look a certain way. I I think of fuel as like, okay, what is this helping me achieve? Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like, Gosh, it's so interesting because I feel like nutrition is something like we can't let get very far away from us because yeah. we need to hear those things over and over yep. and over. Again. over again. Like even I feel like I need
0: to hear them over and yep. over. Yeah, hundred percent. All of us do. It's like, and it's what's so complicated. It's like, it's essential to our survival, right? Like there are so many things to training, like we can take out and like our life continues but food is essential and it's everyday part of our life we all share this like we all have to eat we all are required to like share in this process it's it's just essential versus so many other things of our life we can control because we don't have to do them i don't have to run i don't necessarily have to work i don't have to do i mean yes we do in order to like you know survive in society but we don't have like food is like so ingrained on such a deep level. Like it's essential from the moment we take our first breath, we have to eat like, you know, as a new mom, my baby has to eat every two to three hours throughout the day. Like she has to do that in order to survive. And so, you know, food is so, it's so much more complicated than so many other things because of that, because of that essential need for it. And we can't just take it out.
1: Yeah, it is interest. I mean, as such like a strong relationship with like our emotional state mm-hmm. too. And like, it's, uh, you know, as a behavioral thing, it's like how yeah. we also connect with people, we have yeah, meals together. Totally. Um, yeah, it is, it is a complex thing. And I think for me, like I, that thinking long term is huge, because mm-hmm. your body fluctuates so much totally. anyways. Like, I think it's funny, the other day I was looking at my legs, I was like, man, my legs look ripped today. And then like, I get rehydrated, I get refueled, and they look the way they did before, and, right? It's <laughs> yeah. like, I can I can look super ripped in one hour, and the next hour, I just yeah. look absolutely normal. So it's like, even that concept of yeah. getting really ripped, it's like, guess what, even if you're super ripped, you're only gonna look that way sometimes. Yeah. Like, people in magazines, they only look that way for a little bit, and yeah. I guarantee they look relatively normal a little bit later so we get a lot of these false perceptions in our head of like that pinnacle what we're going for and it's like that's like you said that race weight is really just a short period of time right so it's like take care of your body long term don't try to get it in that state all the time like you gotta i think shifting that focus towards the performance towards fueling um, giving our body what it needs are all really positive things. And like we said, building a good relationship with your body. Yeah.
0: And I, you know, I encourage people to like hang out with people who have positive relationships with it, because I think in the running world specifically, even in, I talk to so many women, they're like, my friends just don't eat anything. Like find people that love food and love to feel their bodies and like, feel good about themselves and aren't going to judge you. Like, hang out in running circles with people that are hearty eaters and not ashamed, you know, like don't just fully surround your people, yourself with people that are like caught up in the fads and the diets and the trends, like that plays a huge role as well, especially for younger athletes who, you know, if you're out there and you're just getting involved in running and you're just looking for information, like you need to be around people who have a positive relationship and who are teaching you wise things, not just fads and trends. So yeah, on yeah. social media as well. Don't follow people that are giving out <laughs> poor information.
1: <laughs> yeah. What's your take on um, cause I feel like that as I got older was a thing that I realized is there's there's been these like sort of stereotypes about like the super focused athlete who's mm-hmm. like doing boiled chicken and yeah. steamed vegetables, right? Like no flavor. Yeah. Don't get any enjoyment from your food. And as I got older, I was like, I think it's, it's okay to get like emotional yeah. satisfaction from yes. your food and to like get something out. Like that's missing the whole yeah part that could be awesome for you, yeah, you know? So totally. what's your take on that? Like whole, I don't know, the stereotypes yeah. and and how that should be in terms of your emotional relationship.
0: Yeah. Um, I think it's like you were saying food is like cultural too. And like, it brings us together with people and food is not just food. Like it plays such a huge part of our lives because we all do it. And like, it brings us together and it does like emotional eating is a thing. Like, and that's okay. Like now if that's all you're doing is emotional eating, that's a different issue. But like I eat ice cream when I'm happy, that's great. You know, and it makes me happy. Um, You know, and like there is, we, we can't neglect that our bodies are not just physical beings. They are emotional beings as well. We are relational beings as well. All of these factors play into our bodies and we can't dissociate that. Like we have to realize it's a whole picture. And when we try to dissociate that, that's when we have issues like, And that's when like, we have like restrictive patterns or obsessive patterns or, you know, behaviors. And so it's important to realize like they go hand in hand and we can't separate our mind and body, which I think a lot of us want to do. We want to separate that emotional mental state from our physical state. But like a lot of the people I work with, I'm like, if you're not doing well mentally and happy and like enjoying life, like that's going to throw off everything as well. And so you can be eating perfectly and doing everything right, but maybe you're not performing well. Maybe you're not losing weight. Maybe you're not happy and like feeling good. Maybe you're super tired. And it's not because you're not eating well. It's because you're not addressing the other issues as well too. So I think it's super important to realize like food does play a role in that. And so we're not just trying to teach food is fuel. Like, yes, it is fuel, but like, it is more than that. Like it is there to provide us satisfaction, there to provide us with relationships. It's there to, you know, provide some emotional satisfaction as well. So um, yeah, we we need to think of it as a little bigger because it does play such an integral part of our lives.
1: Yeah, and I like that in terms of like, when you embrace like the complexity of it, I think it also allows you to have some grace towards yourself Mm -hmm. and potential issues you may have. I mean like, yeah, this is kind of a hard thing to manage Yeah, and it can get out of whack. And then you, you allow yourself to realize, you know, where you're doing it, where you're doing, or how you're doing it the way you are and maybe what changes you want to make. Yeah. And again, Back to like our holistic program it's yeah. like just looking at it in a holistic way of um you know what are all the factors that are yeah. playing into it 100 percent, 10%. yeah so so to get back to the whole nutritional thing of uh so we've gone through all these macronutrients uh obviously there's a lot more to it yeah what other sort of things should we looking for in terms of micronutrients Um, you know, other things that we should be trying to get into our diet.
0: Yeah. So micronutrients are often, I think, diminished. I think also too, as extreme people, we are creatures of habit. I don't know about you guys, but I am. I like my routine and I like doing the same thing every day. Um, And I think a lot of runners can eat the same thing every day because it's easy and convenient. And that is okay to an extent. However, we can often miss out on a lot of the vitamins and minerals and phytonutrients that are super important to us um, and our bodies properly functioning and feeling good. Um, So adding variety to your diet with your fruits, vegetables, grains, legumes, meats, like all of that is super important and that's going to help you feeling better focusing and like your body's going to be able to recover better and just your vitamins, minerals. We're not going to struggle as many deficiencies. However, I will say there are a couple like common ones we see among runners, um, iron deficiency or low ferritin in women specifically, um, is super common. And so that's one that, you know, if you are a vegetarian or vegan, um, as much as you can get iron from those plant-based stores, you know, sources like dark leafy greens, you do not absorb them as well as you do from animal products. Um, so super important to recognize, like you may need to supplement with that. Um, I supplement with iron and I still eat meat, but it's just because my body has a hard time absorbing iron and actually, you know, storing it in my body. Um, and realizing that's actually super common among Caucasian women. Like don't know why it's just a genetic thing that stats have shown women struggle, Caucasian women struggle with iron stores. Um, and also you, you need much more than an average individual would. So this is something that irritates me. Like nobody says this, you go to a regular doctor, get your ferritin checked, your iron checked. And they're like, Oh, you're in the normal range. You're at 12 for your ferritin. An athlete, a female athlete, at least let's use me as an example. I'm 30, um, you know, healthy, active and my ferritin should be at like 60 or to like 120, I think is like my range of optimization. So you may go to a doctor and they're like, Oh, you're totally fine. You're at a 12 for an endurance athlete that is extremely low. And you're going to feel like crap on your runs if that's where you're at. So realizing too, that your needs shift as an athlete for a lot of those micronutrients and those vitamins and minerals and being, you know, I encourage people to get like blood work done with specific, like, athletic blood working tests, like inside tracker. I think there's another one. I can't think of what it's called. I know there's another one around here. Um, and making sure your biomarkers are in the right range so you can optimize that because it's super important to make sure for your athletic level and, um, your age and gender that you're in the right, right range. Um, so yeah, but the biggest tip there is like variety is really key. Um, and that's not just like with fruits and vegetables. Think of your grains and your animals and the different types of food you eat. Be willing to add some variety so you can manage that.
1: Mm. Do you do you do a lot of different recipes then? Because I feel like that's kind of the hang up for me. is just like, you know, I get a new recipe and I'm like, I'm going to go buy all these spices. Yeah. Like <laughs> there's all these yeah. hang ups, you know, in terms of totally. adding in variety, like totally any tips there.
0: Yeah. So biggest thing like fruits and vegetables are a good one shop seasonally. Um, I always like to encourage people like what's in season right now. Um, because that's going to add variety to your diet right away. Um, but also like, you know, always the suggestion I give is like, go, when you go grocery shopping, pick up a different like fruit or vegetable each week like something that you didn't have the week before, add, you know, start really small. Like you don't have to make it super complicated. Um, grains last a long time. So keeping a variety of grains in your house is really helpful. You know, always, you can always buy like canned legumes, you know, beans, stuff like that. Um, so to add variety there and then, you know, things like meats, you can always freeze. So, um, having a variety of meats in your freezer to keep on hand, I know that's not always the easiest. Um, but also like, I know convenience is a huge thing. And so people are like, how do I do this conveniently? Um, Frozen fruits and vegetables are great for you. Like you can buy that stuff and it is easy and it's cheaper than a lot of fresh ones. So like keeping that kind of stuff on hand where you can just like either, you know, steam them or, you know, whatever. It may be throw them in a smoothie um, that can provide some extra options as well. Uh, So yeah, you know, start small. Don't overwhelm yourself with like, you know, having a ton of different stuff. And like choose one different recipe a week, you know, like if you're like trying to figure out something new, you know, um, that way you're not like, oh my gosh, I don't have any of this stuff. Um, hopefully by the end you have some extra spices and stuff to add some variety, but yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Add things and dear quiver. Yes. Uh, no, that's great. Uh, in terms of roots, some people are very concerned about the sugar content in fruits uh, what are your thoughts on fruits? Is there any certain way that you should be taking them in? Like what, how do you go about your fruit intake?
0: Uh, I love fruit and I hate when people say you shouldn't eat fruit. I worry about if you have, again, I think to something I haven't mentioned this, but like, if you haven't, a lot of our diet culture is built on certain disease. It's built on providing like better health to certain demographics. Like all of these diets that we've heard of like keto, it's all based on like, oh, someone with a certain specific disease was given this diet to help make either cure this disease or help, um, manage this disease or prevent this disease. Realize like all of these different things are really focused more on like disease central diets. And so we're coming from an athletic diet where it's like, you don't really need to worry about the glycemic index unless you have some certain health condition, that, you know, you need to monitor your glucose or you struggle producing insulin. So things like that, it's like this fruit, your body's going to absorb it well and do well eating it. So you don't really need to worry about that (laughs) again, unless you have certain health issues. So like fruit is a great source of vitamins, minerals, um, natural sugar. So like we talked about carbs, they're super important. It's a great thing to help fuel your runs and help you feel better. Also provide just a variety of different carbs. Um, and like they, they taste good. So They're good for you. They taste good and they help fuel your run. So like, I just encourage people not, don't worry about fruit. I eat so much fruit. Like that is one of my huge carbohydrate sources. Um, cause it settles well in my stomach and I feel good with it and it helps, helps me perform. So, so I had a lady one
2: time say, uh, about bananas to me, she said, um, You know, I learned bananas have so much sugar in them. They're just (laughs) pure sugar. And so I quit eating bananas. And so, so like, break it down. Like, what are we talking about here? What's the difference in the sugar with fruit and the sugar that, like, like she said it in a way that was like, it made it sound
0: like having a banana was like taking like
2: three spoonfuls of sugar and just
0: stuffing Uh. it so funny. Well, just so you know, all carbohydrates are broken down into sugar in our body. It's just how it works. So (laughs) that bread you're eating those grains, we break them down and our body processes them. Um, glucose, hello, glucose is the sugar. Um, so obviously refined sugar, which is highly processed and all the nutrients are then zapped from it, which if you've ever had like molasses friends is the excess sugar from the refined sugar. And it has actually all the nutrients in it. So like, it's got super high in iron. So like, that's why a lot of people will be like, Oh, let's use molasses. This actually has some powerhouse nutrients. It's because it takes all the good stuff out of the other refined sugars. (laughs) So refined sugar is just kind of zapped with any nutrients versus like fruits and, you know, any natural food that has sugar in it is going to be beneficial with vitamins and minerals for your body. It's gonna be natural. Natural is so much better. Whole foods are gonna be so much better than highly processed foods. Let's just be honest. That's how it works, how our bodies work. And again, it's a carbohydrate source. So it's providing you with energy and us as runners, we need those carbohydrates. So yeah, maybe we break it down a little quicker because it's pretty simple to break down. And it's not as complex as something as like starchy grains or like starchy vegetables, but our body's still going to utilize it for energy and it's full of nutrients. So why run away from
2: that? So what you're saying in my mind, I'm interpreting this as Three spoonfuls of sugar is more guilty by disassociation <laughs> from other nutrients than it is the fact that it's sugar. Yeah. Because we got to have the sugar. Yes. yes. So to that, if I were to say, hey, here's the reason a banana is still good. Yeah. I could say banana has fiber in it. It's got mm-hmm. potassium and it's got vitamin C. So now we have this concoction of goodness yep. with that sugar yep. that you're going to need. Yep. Okay. Well cool, that
0: I just wanted some ammo for that. Uh, yeah. next the, the <laughs> yeah. banana comes yeah. up. That's like maple syrup too. I will say that. Maple syrup has twenty-six vitamins and minerals. Again, now granted, oh. you're not going to get all of those twenty-six, like absorb a ton of those in like one serving of that. But just so you know, like it's not the end of the world. It's a natural sugar that has actually nutrients to it. So
1: cool. Yeah. And to that point of like the banana glycemic index, all those things around sugar, because you see that all the time. They're like,
0: mm-hmm. I, I'll
1: see it on Instagram. This piece of bread yeah. ex, it digests exactly like sugar or like potatoes yeah. or all these things. Yeah. How much should we be concerned about spikes in blood sugar? Is that something that should be aware of? Does it have adverse effects on our health?
0: I mean, you definitely want to learn about managing blood sugar. Like I think it is super important. Like if you're eating tons of sugar throughout the day and your, your glucose is constantly spiking, we're going to have issues. if you're having dips in your glucose, you know, and like you're just having crashes, which I've struggled with that with like low blood sugar, where I like drop in the afternoon and I'm like, oh my gosh, my blood sugar is so low right now. That's why I feel so crummy. So it's something we want to measure, but I would say for most athletes, especially endurance runners, we're utilizing so many carbs and our sugar is constantly, we're just burning through it that we're probably going to be more likely to struggle with low blood sugar. So we want to make sure we're getting in enough carbohydrates to keep that maintained and stabilized and not having big dips. Um, now, again, if you have other health issues, like, you know, you're struggling with insulin levels or you're seriously overweight and struggling with blood sugar, like spiking, then yeah, maybe be a little more aware of how much, you know, sugar you're taking in through like simple carbohydrates or even fruits. Um, but for the most of us, like it's, it's not something unless you have, again, a preexisting health condition that you really need to be too worried about. You probably need to be more focused on, am I getting enough in? That's probably honestly for most of us where we're at, where we need to think like, oh, am I actually getting enough simple carbohydrates, enough sugar in my body that I'm keeping my blood sugar high enough. Um, I find that more of an issue than high blood sugar. Does
2: eating uh, protein with the sugar actually help your blood sugar not spike?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but you may like post work, like if you're having a long run, like just an easy long run, um, you may actually need quite a bit of sugar in that moment. So they, a lot of studies have shown like post long runs, that's when you want to prioritize like higher sugar and a little less protein versus like a threshold run where you're working really hard. Um, and so again, most of us, our concern is probably going to be more like low blood sugar. And so making sure we're getting in adequate amounts around our workouts and around throughout the day. So we're not crashing.
1: So, so we actually want to have higher sugar intake after the lower intensity long run versus the higher intensity threshold run.
0: Yep. Yep. You're going to need, you still need plenty of heart, um, carbohydrates, um, you know, after those longer intensity runs, but you definitely are going to need to prioritize protein a little bit more in that situation too. So, um, versus the carbohydrates.
1: Is that because there's like more damage to your musculature yeah. or something? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Just like body's needs. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so supplementation I've, and specifically to runners, and I get that this is like a, a individual thing. Like you were saying, using something like inside yeah. tracker might help you know what's actually going on in your body. Mm -hmm. Are there kind of typical things like you were saying iron for especially like Caucasian women? Um, are there things that we should be considering supplementing into our diet?
0: Yeah, obviously. So electrolytes are a big one. Um, and that's super, I think some of us don't even think of electrolytes as supplements, but it is for most of us. So that should be something you're taking every day, especially in the summer, you should be pounding some electrolytes. Um, and not just with, like during workouts, like daily nutrition should provide electrolytes. You can do that by making your own, you can buy noon tablets. There's so many ways to do that. Um, but that is something that should for most, I mean, no, I would say all runners, you should be taking electrolytes unless you're only doing like a mile a day or something. Um, just because that's part of hydration and you're just going to need it. And then, you know, Optional ones are like protein powder or collagen powder can be beneficial to a lot of runners, especially if you struggle with getting in enough protein throughout the day. Um, or like you know, you have a hard time like eating certain proteins. You know, I know for a vegetarian and vegan athletes, that can be challenging to get in enough protein, so protein powder can be helpful. Um, and then you know, like vitamins and minerals, I really tell people, like, you should be tested before you supplement just because you can have toxicity levels in a lot of vitamins and minerals. um, if they're not water soluble, so water soluble means we pee them out, um, those vitamins and minerals, we can have excess. And so like even iron, for example, if you do not have an issue with iron, you can have excess iron and that can actually cause similar symptoms to low iron. So it's really important to know like what your body actually needs before you just throw in supplements because you can cause issues of toxicity. Um, and why spend money when you don't need to. <laughs> um, but you know, things like green supplements can be helpful if you do struggle getting in, you know, fruits and vegetables, or like you have a schedule where you just can't eat, a, you know, eat all of the fruits and vegetables you want. So things like that can be helpful, but again, only if you really need it, like I view supplementation is like, it's truly supplementation. So if I can't get this in my daily diet, like if I can't eat this, this is when I supplement, but I'd much rather eat something than take a supplement for it.
1: Awesome. Do you, what do you, what's your take on like ketones? Like, would you use ketones around racing? Uh,
0: I think it depends on the athlete. Some athletes, you know, like that can't be beneficial to them because again, it's like, that idea, like fats are slower digesting. So they can kind of last a little longer throughout your runs. Um, so some people do well with that and, you know, but again, I would play around with that. I would not say that works for everyone. Um, it's, it's, that's more experimentation. It can be done and can be good, but again, experiment with it and see if it works for you. Um, I wouldn't suggest that to every athlete.
1: Awesome. I, Fermented foods, probiotics, is that something you put uh, much emphasis on?
0: Yeah, if you need it. So, um, I mean, probiotics can be really helpful for people with GI problems um, or like certain seasons of life. So like prenatal health can be really beneficial and postnatal health and stuff like that. Um, But, you know, again, if you want to, and you have GI issues or you just you don't get enough fermented foods or things like that probiotics can be helpful but fermented foods are awesome and i'm all for it it's great for gut health but um you know just remember like things like greek yogurt can be a really big staple in your diet and like things like that so you don't necessarily have to supplement um but fermented foods are awesome and i'm all for that it's great for your gut health and helping you feel better
1: so say if you're eating greek yogurt like once a day, is that enough mm-hmm. or should you be getting more than that?
0: Um, it depends on the person, you know, and it depends on what else you're eating throughout the day, you know, too. So like, again, all bodies work a little differently. I will say if you are someone, like if you've been on antibiotics or anything recently, a probiotic can be super helpful. <laughs> um, and Greek yogurt probably would not be enough. Um, but yeah, it it really just depends on the person. And it depends on your like gi and gut health it's just yeah
2: so i've got a question for you joe that um is relevant to chad and i um and uh i learned this about chad as we were driving up crested butte and we we're at it we went to the gas station and we both came out with exactly the same <laughs> sparkling water uh and then we had this discussion or wait no it wasn't Crested. yeah it was Crested Butte that we were driving up to and uh so we've both found that like sparkling water is a great like alternative to drinking like a bunch of sugar all yeah, day yeah. long. Um, my question is, can you drink too much of it? Is it a bad thing that <laughs> I'm addicted to sparkling <laughs> this,
1: water? This is a great question.
0: Uh, I don't know. That's my answer to that question. I love sparkling water. And I think it's a great alternative when you're like, wanting hydration and something different. Um, I don't know about the carbonation, like how much that like really affects us, you know, I haven't done any studies on that, but you know, if your stomach starts hurting, I would question it, you know, um, there are signs, but yeah, to be honest, like, I don't know the answer to that question. I honestly don't know if a lot of people have like really studied that, but. So
2: from my own personal study, which means I just drink like three or four of them a day at least, um, it's gone good so far. I wouldn't
0: worry about it. (laughs) It Maybe a little rougher on the budget, but (laughs)
2: yeah, that's right.
0: That's
1: right. Uh, That's. It's funny though. On that note of the budget thing, because I do, I do the same thing. I feel like so many of us these days are addicted to sparkling waters, just like nonstop. But I justify it in the sense that I'm like. I'm, I'm investing in my hydration here. Cause I, and yeah. that again, back to that fact of like, kind of working with yourself and maybe some flaws yeah. that you have, yeah. it's like, yes, I am encouraging myself to hydrate. Maybe i yeah. be better off just drinking straight water, especially for saving money. But you know, I'm going to allow this to continue yeah. on. Cause it's probably, yeah. if it is bad, I think it's pretty minimal and I, I'm not aware yes. of thus far. Yes. And it's definitely could be helping me in a lot of ways because hydration, like we talked about, is is huge. We probably all could be hydrating a little bit better.
0: Yeah, 100%. So not
1: to
2: go down the rabbit hole too far, but Joe, do you know why, like, and maybe Chad, you know, like, why does sparkling water taste if there's no calories in it?
0: (laughs) (laughs)
1: They still the add es- stuff to it <laughs> it's it's essence jay yeah, yeah you know? what,
0: what is essence <laughs> it's, i don't know they say it's, it's natural not- but it's just added flavoring
1: <laughs> it's probably like got marginal calories in it too yeah. like there's always that threshold of yes. like you don't have to say that it's there if yeah it's below i can't remember what it is
0: yeah yeah it's like very minimal but like they don't have to report it if it's yeah but there are but- things so like splint drift is a sparkling uh, water but they actually add a little juice to it so it's completely yeah. natural for the flavor so there are like other options if you are concerned about that little added flavor i'm not but yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: no i'm not i just was curious oh yeah.
1: yeah yeah that's funny yep yeah um very cool jay did you have anything else because i think i'm i'm pretty wrapped actually up
2: that was that was my major question <laughs>
0: <The> sparkling water
1: <laughs> i surprised yeah i'm like I drink, I drink so many that should have been my question. I was embarrassed. I was like, "How am I not asking about sparkling waters?"
2: (laughs) Well, I I love it. I'm slight. Like, I'll drink one, and then I have this thought: Should I not be doing this? This is too many. Like, I've already had three today. This is number four. Should I stop? So funny.
0: I'm with Chad though. Like, minimal. If it is doing any, yeah, if it's doing any harm, which I don't think it is, it'd be so minimal, and the benefits outweigh you know, the negative. And I think that's a lot of like a good tip for like just nutrition in general. Like think of like, I think a lot of us can get caught up. Oh, is this bad for me? But like, is it beneficial in some way too? Or is it helping you like hundred percent? Is it better for you to be drinking those sparkling waters than be drinking four Cokes today? Yes. Like so much better. So like kind of like thinking of it in that perspective, like I could be doing something so much worse for me and this is way better. So so I did important. think of one,
2: I, th- I thought of one more question that actually I saw on one of our athlete intakes. Um, this is a new athlete that Joe, I don't think you, they've gotten to you yet, Okay. but they're, they're coming your way. Um, no, it wasn't, it wasn't an, an athlete you might've seen before, but anyway, he was asking, uh, what do I do about my sweet tooth? It's a pretty yeah pretty significant sweet tooth. Like, how do I, how do I deal with that? How do I curb that? So what's the, what's the advice there on how to handle like somebody who's just ravenously going after the sweet stuff?
0: So my first thing would be to say, are you eating enough? And are you getting enough carbs in your diet? That would be immediately the first thing where my brain goes, because Nine times out of 10 sugar is not actually the issue. It's because they're not something else is missing from their diet and they're compensating through simple carbohydrates with sugar. Like it's, and usually it's a sign of you're not eating enough and you're specifically not eating enough carbs and people with really high sweet tooth. that's usually the case. So like right away, I would say, start adding some complex carbohydrates back into your diet. Like whether that's at, you know, and if it's, specifically maybe around the time they have the sweet tooth, you know, like maybe that's when they are like, I'm going to choose to eat a lot of fruit right now, you know, and be okay with that. Or like just adding carbs throughout the day. Um, cause usually that's a sign, especially for athletes, that's a sign they're not getting enough in because sugar is so easy to digest. And it's so satisfying when we're just ravenous with hunger for carbs. It's just quick. It's a quick satisfaction. Um, And then like, you know, if they really just love sugar and that's really the issue, you know, trying to use better sugar sources, you know, looking for natural sources instead of just always turning to like, you know, store-bought things or like ice cream or like artificial sugars or refined sugars, you know, um, because you can find a lot of satisfaction through like really nutritious things that are higher in sugar and it's okay. Um, and then like to like it's probably a sign that again, their blood sugar is not balanced. So throughout the day, are they eating enough, you know, consistently, maybe they're going too long, maybe they're going five or six hours without eating and their body's like, Oh, Whoa, I need, I need carbs and I need it now. And so it's what they're turning to. Um, and then too, again, like, you know, Chad, I think Chad mentioned like adding some protein with your meals as well, is going to help with satisfaction. So if he's not getting enough protein, that could be also something to troubleshoot. Um, So yeah, usually, usually that is a sign of something else going on. It's not actually they just love sugar. It's just something else is missing from their diet.
2: So uh one thing that's helped our family around that uh is generally speaking, we try not to buy desserts when we grocery.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: And so if we get a dessert, we make ourselves have to make an extra trip to go get it. Yeah, I love it. And so it, and and we're we're happy to go get it. It's yeah. not like a negative. It's like, hey, we're yeah. gonna go get dessert tonight. Yeah, and we'll just go to the grocery store and pick out some ice cream. Yeah, yep. and that would be a specific event and thing that we do that's really fun. But we're not buying, you know, yeah, ice cream every week when yep. we go to the grocery yep. store. Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah. If it's in your house, someone's gonna eat it. <laughs> like yeah. that's the truth of the matter. So. Knowing your weaknesses and like, yeah, Rusty and I are pretty big on that too, where it's like, oh, let's go out and get dessert or I have to make it from scratch, you know, Um, which is more fun and better, usually way better for us because it's not so much. I
2: love love the idea uh, with the desserts and the sweet tooth that you're analyzing, hey, am I craving this because I didn't eat enough pasta tonight? Yep. Maybe I need to have an extra small serving Yeah. or have some wheat bread with Kerrygold butter. Yep. Yep. And that will curb some of that. Yeah. um, That desire. Sweet tooth.
0: Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I think it's easy. Like that's even something for me where I'm like, Oh, I really want dessert tonight. So I'm like, Oh, I'm not going to eat as much at dinner. And it's like, no, I just need to fuel up. And then if I'm still hungry and want dessert, great. But usually then too, like if it is that mindset, you're like, Oh, I'm still going to, I'm still hungry. So I need to eat more. So I eat more. And then like, when you have dessert, you're not going to like binge on it. You're just going to have one serving and feel like good. And your body's going to be like, Oh, great. That was enjoyable. But now I don't feel like I need to eat more. So I think that's important to like, to realize, listen to those hunger cues and don't, don't save hunger for dessert. Like dessert is really not there to like, satisfy hunger it is there to be enjoyed um and you should if you are still hungry you should be eating the food that you made at dinner and like going back for seconds like that is the food that you want to
2: keep eating so um, so what about this as my go-to and you're you're free to slam me if this is not a good habit um so i'll eat dinner and if i'm still hungry i usually go to cereal like is okay. and put some. Uh, some blueberries in it or okay. some, I try not to make it like a sugary cereal, yeah. like more or like, um, like a bran cereal yeah. yeah. Like, like, how do you feel about that? As I a, think that's
0: great. A yeah. If you're still hungry and wanting more and like, that's awesome. Um, cause it's simple again, simple carbohydrates and some protein, like, yeah, yeah. All for it. Sweet. And like bedtime snacks all for bedtime snacks almost all of our athletes should be eating bedtime snacks. So <laughs> don't be afraid of that.
1: Uh, so I'll have a couple comments there and I'll circle back to the bedtime snacks. Uh, so for one, for me, I have a tremendous sweet tooth. And I do find like we were talking about with the workout feeling, that mm-hmm. there is a time and place for simple sugars. Yes. And I like to utilize yes. that for like eating cookies, eating totally. something that I would crave otherwise. And to me, that then satisfies that kind of just like, yep. it's on my mind. It's something that I want to eat. Yeah and then I get that done. I think we behaviorally, I think we have these setups where it's like you have dinner in the evening after yeah. you've had yep. your meal. Right. And it's like, you don't have to subscribe to that. And that's probably yeah. not nutritionally yeah. the best way to do that. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I think using it in just the proper time is yep. super helpful for me. Um, and then to come back to the bedtime snack, cause I think this is, we were talking before we started the conversation about just like different diet trends, it's really hard when there's so much information. I think one of the things with nutrition, it's hard is there's so much information out there coming at you and we like maybe get thrown off by it, right? So intermittent fasting, right? Mm. Like they would maybe say, don't eat a bedtime snack. What's the balance of that? What's your take on intermittent fasting?
0: (laughs) Again, intermittent fasting was created for disease. Like it was, I, I think it's like used primarily around like diabetes. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but it was not created for like, it was created for specific health reasons. It was not created for the general, you know, human or really created for the athlete. It was never intended for that use. We've adapted it though, because it's also used for like obesity and things like that. We've adapted it now for athletes to lean up or get super fit and trim. And it's, it's not a performance-based diet. It's uh, aesthetic diet. Great. But for most people, unless again, you have, you're seriously overweight or you have some other underlying health conditions, it's not meant for you. It's not going to work well for performance reasons. Um, and again, it has some health benefits if you need it, but for most athletes, that's not the case. Like, um, it can, for most athletes, it does more harm than good, especially endurance athletes. Now, maybe bodybuilders or someone who's doing short bursts of energy and not expending the calories like we are over periods of times, it could be helpful, but for most of us, we don't need to intermittent fast and it can be wreck havoc on hormones. Um, for endurance athletes, it can just really put you in a really negative spot, um, hormonally, which is not great.
1: <laughs> Interesting. Uh, should there be breaks in our eating? Like, is that something that should be a concern? Like not just kind of snacking of course, all day? Of course. Yeah.
0: yeah. You want to feel satisfied. You should feel like, oh my gosh, I ate a meal and I feel good. And my satiated my hunger. Um, cause if you're snacking all day, usually that means you're not eating enough at once. And then that can cause you to overeat, um, which is not the goal. <laughs> um, we're trying to fuel our bodies adequately, not under or not over. Um, but also like, just so you know, like when you sleep eight to 10 hours a night, that's a fast, like that is a fast from eating and that's healthy and beneficial, but that does not mean you need to extend that per se. So like, yes, fasting can be helpful in that sense. Like, okay, we're stopping to eat. I'm going to bed. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to eat breakfast, breaking my fast. Um, but we don't need to create an extended fast in any way. Um, and like, again, for most athletes, we need to be probably eating every like two or three hours or three to four hours, depending on who you are. Um, and again, breaks and eating because you're satisfied, but not because you're
1: restricting. That's great. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I I like the theme of this, of identifying what is for you and what's not for you. Right. Cause I think we have such, or at least I know I've experienced this where you get hit with a bunch of information. Someone says something in a very convincing way Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, I need to change what I'm doing. I need to, Yeah. I, I now I can't eat for a couple hours after I yeah. wake up, like, how am I going to orient this with my whole schedule? And it's like, yeah, yes. just, uh, I think that's, that's a great uh, bit of advice there. Yes.
0: yes. Yeah. And that's, you know, I've worked with doctors who are like, oh, this is so helpful for me to think this way. Cause I've worked with these demographics and I know nutrition for these people, but realizing oh i'm not them i'm not this person so i don't need to be applying this to myself because um, i don't have these issues so yeah super helpful
1: yeah and that's that's not the easiest thing to do i think when wow. you're on your own it's it's easy when you like and i think that's probably with like your clients mm-hmm. as well like it's probably super helpful same way it's helpful to have a coach to say you don't need to worry about that. Yeah, like, yeah, because I think people when they're on their own have a tendency to get swayed around. You just, if you don't have the knowledge and confidence to push away an idea, it can throw you off course. Yeah, totally. And so to kind of sum up the conversation, I think a lot of it, and this is a common theme on the podcast as far as like balance, like it's 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 not, it don't live in the extremes. Don't make it one or the other. Like there really is this like, fine-tuning down the middle yeah um yeah yeah
0: yeah and realizing like there may be times where you you sway to the extreme and it's okay it's just like we don't want to stay in in those extremes like right like having a newborn I'm realizing like okay I can't sleep eight to ten hours straight every night I have to come to this balance like right now okay I'm getting I mean I am still getting like six to eight a night which is great but like um you know like there is this this child demands a lot more right now so my extreme focus is more on this child for this season and then it will slowly sweep back and just realizing like life is not perfectly like balanced in in the middle but um our goal is not to stay in those extremes and realize like there's also balance within you know each season it just may look a little different
1: yeah and obviously you know weight loss uh, body composition is a huge concern for a lot of runners I think there's a lesson there too of like your body sometimes is not going to do exactly what you want it to do. percent. So if you're in that period of time where maybe you're not as light or lean as you want to be, you know, what would your suggestion to be to a person that's there, who's having trouble getting yeah. where they're trying to go?
0: Um, embrace the season and trust the process. You know, I think we say that a lot to our runners trust this process, like in training, you know, like you may not see, perfect result right now, but this is leading towards that result, right? Like all of our training, our goal is not to peak in the middle of the season. It's peak at race time. Right. So like you're doing all these small steps to, you know, for that, that time. Well, it's the same thing with our nutrition. Like we're working small over a long period of time. It's a little longer than training for a marathon and maybe a year or two. (laughs) And that's the goal. And so just remember like in this season and embrace it. Like right now I'm a new mom. My goal is not to be this the leanest I've ever been because I'm supporting a child right now like that is my primary focus and if I try to rush that process it could be detrimental to me and to my child so focusing to like okay this season what is most important like is being super lean right now important and chances are it's probably not (laughs) um and like what you have to sacrifice to get there so like realizing thinking again of the whole picture and realizing like what is most important in this season And what are small steps I can take to help get me to where I want to go, but don't overwhelm me and make me lose other priorities that are super important to me as well. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's great. Um, Yeah. So in terms of like, uh, are there small, what are some like kind of mantras or mental cues or things that we can do to kind of like it? Cause I know for myself, it's like, it's great in the middle of the conversation to like have all this good information, but then when you actually get out there on your own and you're kind of battling with your own journey, are there any like sort of like mental cues or mantras that that you could suggest?
0: Yeah. Uh, When I always like to say is there's grace, there's lots of grace, (laughs) Um, be gracious with yourself and remind yourself that like, okay, today was a really hard day and maybe you had a really stressful day at work and you came home and you're like, I really just want to eat some ice cream right now. And that's okay. There's grace for that. Like there, there is grace. Also really important too. like each, like once, if you have a day that you're like, ah, dang it, I messed up today. I didn't do well. And instead of just being like, screw it. And like, I'm, I'm just going to throw all of my hard work away and just like go back to old habits. Just be like, okay, like I said, there's grace this next meal, not even the next day, this next meal is a time to just be like, oh, I'm going to eat to fuel myself, to fuel myself well and fuel my performance. I don't have to just like be like, screw it all or nothing. Either I'm perfect or I'm not like let go of the all or nothing and like say like, okay, it's just a new opportunity. That was really good. I enjoyed that luxurious lunch. That was way more than I was expecting, but I am now going to like be like, and not restrictive, not like, oh, I need to cut back. Just be like, oh, I'm just going to choose better options and I'm going to choose to fuel my body. Well, um, and not going to like the restrictive side of things or like just screw it and throw everything else out the window. Um you still need to eat even if you eat a really large meal. <laughs> um and then, you know, like again, I think one of the the most helpful ones I've told myself and for other athletes is like I'm fueling to perform. So like my goal what is my focus right now? And like what is most important to me? Like think about the future and the impacts of what you're doing in the moment and like If it's not going to be helpful for the long-term, the big picture goal, like don't do it. Like if, you know, like if eating not, or, you know, cutting out a meal is not going to help you recover, like, don't do that. (laughs) You know, think about like what really is most important, um, instead of just like the artificial goals of like, I want a certain body type, or I want to look this way, or I want to control everything. Um, think about loving and nourishing your body in a way that's honoring to that.
2: Hey, I, I think that fuel to perform just really resonates well with our nutrition, with yeah. the holistic vibe. Like that, that seems just like a really good thing to revisit. I yeah. love that way, like fuel to perform. Yeah. That's enough of a nugget where um, that can be revisited. And it sounds yeah. like that. that's where you live yeah. and, and try to try to bring people back to it's super.
0: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's super helpful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Joe, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah. Um, this is great. I know I learned a lot and I'm sure our listeners will have a lot of takeaways here.
0: Good, good. Happy, happy to be here. Happy to help. Yep.
1: Yeah. And uh we're going to have Joe back on. Uh, we're going to go a little bit more into the psychology of uh, nutrition. We, delved into it a little bit today but obviously there's a lot more but you know this was I think like a two-hour podcast so we're gonna break (laughs) it up a bit
0: (laughs) awesome thanks so much guys
2: awesome thanks